0: Hi, folks. Matt here with a quick editor's note before the podcast gets started. This week's podcast discusses such topics as residential schools as well as suicide. The suicide talk happens at around 39 to, to 40 minutes in the recording, and the podcast continues as normal after that. Just wanted to give everyone a heads up. Take care of yourselves and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Matt and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series.
1: This week we're talking about season one, episode 15, Progress. Teleplay by Peter Allen Fields and directed by Les Lando. This episode aired on May 9th, 1993.
0: This week on Deep Space Nine, Kira leads the evacuation of a Bajoran moon, which is being converted into a massive power plant that will render the entire surface uninhabitable, but an old farmer refuses to leave. Back on the station, Jake and Nog set out to turn an inordin- inordinate amount of seemingly worthless condiments into profit. Alright, so here we are, Season 1, Episode 15, Progress. Progress.
1: Pro- Elise, what did
0: you think of the episode?
1: Is progress bad?
0: Well, you know, <laughs> it's more like a lack of progress, <laughs> am I right?
1: I did like this episode a lot, even though what happens in it is pretty problematic. Um, I did enjoy the performances. Brian Keith, who listeners may know as the dad from the 1961 movie The Parent Trap, his performance as Mulbach was really good. I found him compelling and charming. I actually, um, because of this episode, rewatched *The Parent Trap* this morning. That movie is still a lot of fun. Uh, Let's
0: get together, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah pretty you much you and me, the twice combined. Listeners, you can't Let's see, get but together. I'm dancing. What do you say? Do 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 Haley Mills, yeah. what's
1: up? <laughs> All right.
0: Are you gonna watch the? Are you gonna watch the Nancy Myers remake with Lindsay Lohan um,
1: and after? probably not i'm an original snob actually i probably saw that movie at some point but i didn't realize i was looking up on imdb this is a segue but the woman who's supposed to marry um, their dad vicky is played by joanna barnes and i believe she is in the remake but i don't remember who she plays i have to look into that um, we were doing some age stuff. So, like, the parents were 41-ish, and Vicky was, like, 27. So, like, they were, that was apparently a big deal. I don't think that age difference is that big of a deal, but, I mean, it was 1961, so who knows what was thought of as a big deal back then. Anyway, <laughs> what did you think of this episode? <sighs>
0: I found it frustrating and it's like this is probably one of like the episodes that we've watched so far that like I've really tried not tried. I really have reevaluated and have <clears throat> excuse me. um probably more mixed feelings on than the several other times I've watched it, because I think I think the other times I've watched it, I've just enjoyed the performances and then the dilemma that Kira has put in, because it is a Cure episode, and we love a Cure episode, don't we, folks? We do. Um But just like the way this episode ends and like the messaging, and it's just like Yeah. I don't know. There's just a lot here that I don't, like, that the episode tends to, like, tacitly endorse. And, like, we've talked a couple weeks ago on our episode with Anya on Battle Lines. And another Kira episode, or Stealth Kira episode. And the way the Federation, like, puts itself in the middle and, like, chooses a side by, like, not choosing a side. And just, I don't know. I just... The arc for Kira in this episode is like siding with the state and I don't I don't know if I love that for Kira. Yeah, uh-huh.
1: I I see that. Um yeah, I think I as I like was saying before, I really like the performances, but there's a lot of problems with what happens in this episode. Um and choices that she makes. Like obviously Starfleet has made a choice, and it's not the best choice. Um, you know, they're obviously siding with the uh, the energy company, as I guess we can call it. Um, and it's, like, a little gross. It's a lot gross, folks.
0: But before we get into that, did we want to talk about the B-plot? Yes. Which I actually... Really did enjoy. Yeah. I thought it was, was fun. I thought it was fun.
1: Yeah, I really found this B plot amusing. Um I just I love the yamik sauce to self-sealing stem bolts to land to Latinum journey that we went on. It was um a lot of fun. <laughs> what do you think that yamik sauce would taste like? Like what? What did you envision for it? If you envisioned anything. What did I envision for the sauce? Um I didn't mean to stump you or anything.
0: No, sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to look it up to see if like I went to Memory office to see if there was like <laughs> any like hints as to what the, the flavor would be. Okay. Um I don't know. I always felt like I know we get to see it later, but I don't really remember. I don't what remember it looks like. either. I feel like it's kind of like a heavier kind of like condiment, like like a sesame sauce, something kind of I like was, that that you maybe like would put on steak, but like yeah. a less tasty version of that.
1: Well it's interesting that you I said sesame because I was thinking that it would be like like something that you could put on like like chicken teriyaki or something. So I was like that's like something like sesame is I feel like used in Asian foods a lot and I feel like that tracks kind of I'm also just yeah, like or maybe big... it's like
0: HP sauce, maybe which What's is HP good as well. Sauce? I don't know what HP sauce is. No, it's like what that House is. of Parliament sauce. It's like called brown sauce a lot, like if you in the UK, oh, you have it yeah. like with with pork chops and stuff like that. But yeah, like over I... here, the brand is like HP because it's like made by order of the queen. That's like House of Parliament. I've it's
1: literally like... never heard of that. I mean, I've heard of, like, brown sauce, but I didn't know what it was. Is it good?
0: Um, I haven't had it for a while, but I used to have it, like, a lot, like, when I had, like, pork chops and, like, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't think
1: up. I ever had um, pork chops growing up. Um, Listeners, my family is Jewish, and while we don't keep kosher, I think my mom made pork chops once, and she described them as they came out like hockey pucks. So, it was not um, something that we, uh... oh, I'm looking at a picture of HP sauce now. And yeah, I definitely have never seen that before. But yeah, so Scotland we did not have pork chops. On. We ate pork, like, in things, but, like, we didn't ever make it at home. Like, I was, like, an adult maybe before I ever, like, made bacon or anything like that at home. In any case, so Quark is left with all of this yamik sauce that um, I guess one of his employees suggested he buy. I, I couldn't follow that part. It really wasn't important. And um, he threatens that guy and was like, I'm going to take half your paycheck for the next six years to pay for this, which was amusing. But um, Nog gets the idea to do something about the yamik sauce because Nog sees his lobes were tingling and he saw opportunity and he wanted latinum. i did find it amusing that Qu- and like interesting that Quark didn't try to unload the yamik sauce himself like i know this was a nog storyline but i really felt like Quark would be like trying to figure something out for himself
0: i mean i i hear you but maybe just kind of one of those things when you're like so far up the the ferengi capital food chain that like quark is especially in contrast to to nog um maybe quark just feels like the yamak sauce just isn't worth his time
1: that's fair to
0: try and unload. you know what i, I mean? guess it's like i mean it's it's like the lucille blue thing what's a banana cost like twenty dollars or whatever ten dollars yeah rest of the Arrested development bid is
1: i wonder if the yamak sauce really cost half of that guy's paycheck for six years <laughs>
0: yeah. i mean maybe it's probably it a lot like i don't it. think there's a i don't think there's a free trade agreement between um the federation and the cardassian union so that's fair um
1: yeah. what do you think so they get the self-sealing stem bolts from that guy who does business with Cardassian so that other guy could let that trader can sell the, the yummy sauce. <laughs> I, I I, like the idea of something called self sealing symbols that no one knows what it is, but it also doesn't matter. Not even
0: O'Brien, yeah, like O'Brien even doesn't O'Brien. even
1: know, and they're like, Oh, how do you know they're self sealing? and he, he was like, I saw it on the manifest. But, like, the idea that they, like, picked a random thing that, like, it was funnier that we didn't know what it was. Totally. (laughs) But I also laugh that, like, they don't have the internet, so they can't look it up. Because I'd be, like, Googling, like, what is a self-sealing stem bolt?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's one of those things, like, they would have been, like, a bit now where they, like looked up what it was you know what i mean but, yeah you know, i mean it was around then but right it
1: wasn't like, but i feel like we
0: didn't use it then like we use it today
1: right but i do enjoy that like who knows what they're for and it doesn't matter but <laughs> it was just really fu- they just doesn't knew-
0: matter what your self-stealing symbols for
1: yes and they didn't you know they it was just you know a thing where they knew they couldn't use them for themselves so they needed to keep treating Um, how, do you think, I have a question to pose, so do you think that Mm -hmm. Nog had already thought about what kind, what company name he and Jake would have if they were to start a company, or do you think the (laughs) Nog-Jake consortium was something that he just came up with in the moment? Or did he, like, have plans where he was, like, envisioning him and Jake having, like, a business down the road when they're older? (laughs)
0: yeah no that that's a good question um I may I think dog probably had a list of names (laughs) that he he wrote out and they they had a nice talk and picked one together so
1: I hope they obtained an LLC so they aren't liable personally for their (laughs) um I went to business school folks that's um as bad as much as you're getting on that it really worked out in the end. They got that piece of land, and the government wanted to build a reclamation facility. So I wonder if Mullivack um, is li- living on that piece of land now. Not to no,
0: because they 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 sold it to for another kind of power plant or some other kind of like development or oh. something like that.
1: I guess this is where we learned that I don't know what a reclamation facility is.
0: So, um, I, we don't know what it's like reclaiming, but, uh, my reading of it's like, maybe they're like a bunch of soil reclamators or like different things like that, but it's like, like a a recycling center. Oh, I got you. Or like, like, like that sort of like where you'd have like reclamation of like the land that like maybe there was an old gas station on it and like the ground got contaminated. So you'd have a facility, like something like that. Right, right. So.
1: Cool. We'll leave that in to show that I don't know everything. <laughs> I mean, we can take it out if you want. Oh no,
0: I'm just making. No, I I, I, maintain your reputation.
1: <laughs> I'm just making a joke. It's fine. I, <laughs> um, yeah, I like didn't even like look that up. I live it. I I just live around farms, and there's a lot of stuff I don't know. So anyway
0: insert american pastoral joke here
1: <laughs> i have not have you read it no, no I, I haven't never mind. but is that the same person that read the book that i just read though
0: yeah it's, it's a philip roth novel
1: yeah um, philip roth problematic but also a good writer so yeah the plot against america was a good book but scary not, like, horror scary, he's, but just, anyway.
0: He's a complicated dude that likes to talk about dudes. Yeah. And has some some maybe not great great perspectives on women in his literature. Um, but anyways, we don't have to dig into Philip Roth discourse.
1: Right no, we now. do not.
0: Although I'm pretty sure that's, I had some tweets when Philip Roth died a couple of years ago getting into philip roth discourse a little bit on the timeline as one does and then right <laughs> after that anthony scaramucci somehow found the tweet liked it and like followed me for a hot minute which i know he's like a follow a, a follow guy a lot I and mean, oh yeah he was, followed like, me, me too but it was just like really random i don't know if he was like word searching philip roth but like it was really weird that anthony scaramucci liked one of my tweets and then followed us for a hot minute
1: um i'm trying to remember anyways. i'm like that because the followed me for a while too and i well i i actually soft blocked him because i was like i don't need that in my life but i also don't remember what i tweeted to cause him to follow me i probably deleted that tweet by now whatever it was yeah <laughs> So, what's really, we're not to we're very famous here. Well, we have the mooch following us on uh on Twitter.
0: What's really funny about that, though, not to get too much in scaramucci <laughs>
1: eh,
0: rabbit the holes here, um, but like his two weeks as like White House press secretary in the early Wasn't days of the, days? the Trump administration, we have to be specific. Yeah, <laughs> I was on vacation for those 10 days and was like pretty <laughs> plugged out of politics, so I. I literally I had to do research after my holidays to figure out who the fuck this guy was <laughs> and why everyone was talking about him because he was already out by like the, I had a two week vacation oh and god. he had become a thing and joined the administration and then left.
1: Oh my god! That's in brilliant. less time than my
0: vacation.
1: Oh my god! I love that like... so much. Uh, I just like using that as like um, a measurement of time now, like. Oh yeah, I was away for one Scaramucci. Like that's funny. Oh my god, I love that you were on vacation when that happened. <laughs> that's really amusing. What's going on? <laughs>
0: and like we were camping too, so like we we're out of like oh yeah and totally.
1: Stuff, so, like, you know, was just... I was laughing so loud that I had to remove my headphones um, from <laughs> my ears so that I wouldn't hurt my eardrums. Just for the time record. I was away.
0: And then another time I was away. I missed whenever we started talking about feral hogs, and that became a meme. Oh, I still don't read.
1: know what that is. Like but, that anyways, was a... I, I
0: pieced it together with context. Oh, but like, I didn't you, try. You come back, and
1: yeah. that was a meme I missed, and I like still don't get it. So I just whenever it comes up, I just like don't say anything because I don't like I don't not <laughs> want to pretend that I know something oh, that I don't. Fair so I'm just like, eh, I don't know what
0: that is. Anyway. Uh, all right. So I guess back to the No J consortium. <laughs> I did really, I did really like this B plot, as I said, and I liked the reveal where at the end they have the land because the guy didn't have latinum to buy his stem bolts, which is how the trader ended up having them and trading them for the yamak sauce, you know, tomato, tomato, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, Odo goes to Quark, and he's like, who's this No Jake Consortium on the station? They have this land, this reclamation plant wants to wants to come on. And he's like, oh, I'll enter negotiations with them. I'll find them. I'm surprised I don't know about it, too. And then at the end of that scene, Nog and Jake just kind of appear, kind of and come bigger and larger into the frame. And Quark's like, no. <laughs> really? Really? It's just a really fun. And they do like the,
1: a little it. bit of pointing, and I, it's really cute. I don't remember if Cork like p- points at each of them or Nog points at himself and Jake, but it was really cute. I really like that too. Yeah. <laughs> he was—he looked like a really proud uncle, also. Like he, I think he was proud of Nog. He like really liked. Oh, that he totally. Did that.
0: And then he's probably even prouder mm-hmm. that he gets a, a cut because it all started with his yamik sauce,
1: right? <laughs> Um, how much do we think that Quark sold the lamp for? So, obviously, Nog and Jake wanted their five bars of latinum, but, like, how much do you think Quark, like, got for it? For the lamp? I don't know.
0: I would say if, like, the whole sale was for, like, five bars, uh, Quark maybe got probably, like, one as a, like, uh, Mm. finder's fee, sort of, something like that.
1: I, see, I read it as... Quark sold it for whatever, and Jake and Nah got five out of whatever it was. Oh, uh, well, maybe. Maybe I do like maybe. when we read things differently. It makes it's it's fun. Not that we well, read it, like, but you d- know what d- I mean. We saw yeah, it. Yeah.
0: No. <laughs> now I want to go back into uh, Latinum bars discourse to find out what's going on and try to like, <laughs> How many slips? <laughs>
1: Yeah. I just think a slip is funny I don't know it like slips strips and bars slips like sounds dirty to me I don't know why like probably well, it's like an undergarment yeah but not even that like I think it comes from like the phrase like and this is so gross and not something I would say but like oh I slipped it to her or something like like that I don't know it's weird my mind is brain damaged, so
0: can't can't say I've I've heard that when I say you slip <laughs> someone, it's like you're giving them some money or something like on the sly. Like I slipped them twenty bucks. Um Right. Cool. Well, there. Love it we're we're learning about HP sauce. We're I think learning I might about have just progress. Up, actually, we're learning about progress. Progress. Ruff. Yeah. My aunt. <laughs> um Yes um, you know, right? You know, oh, you know, you're saying you know. We're talking about
1: something I have to ask you later about Bermuda. It was, oh. it was, uh, it was a clean thought. Anyway,
0: okay. Moving on. <laughs> was there any other other thoughts you had on the No J Consortium?
1: Um, no, no J. No, I'm good. I just like the word consortium, and it gets used in DS9 a lot. Spoiler alert, I watched the next episode, and I think the word consortium was in that also.
0: It sounds just like a little different from, like, corporation. Right, or like right, right. Something like that. Like, it, yeah.
1: Like, it's like a... It know. feels like between like a collective and a corporation. I don't know. Although I feel like collective right. sounds a little too nice, like like <laughs> everyone's like on even playing field. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely not a cooperative. That's for no. sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rank
1: all of the like groups. No, I'm just kidding. Um yeah. So, in the A-plot this week, as we said in our original description, Bajor is about to do a large-scale energy transfer on the moon, um, Gerardo, to which is going to heat a few hundred thousand Bajoran homes in the, the next winter. Um, Brian Keith, who I mentioned earlier, plays in Malibak, and he... And his two friends are the last people that are still on the moon because the other people, you know, left already um, when they were evacuated. And he just really doesn't want to leave his farm. And I really found him charming and I really, his farm looked so nice with all the produce and it just really showed how he'd lived there for so long. He was there for 40 years After he escaped a Cardassian labor camp. I wouldn't want to leave my farm either.
0: Yeah, no, it's, uh,
1: yeah. And he tries to hinder her from doing her job by distracting her, saying, come stay for dinner. Her being Kira, I forgot to mention, Kira went to go, uh, was supposed to get these last three people off of the moon. And you know, I understand that he's like distracting her and hindering her ability to do her job, but displacing people sucks.
0: And it's it's really interesting too cuz like <clears throat> when Mullabuck's talking to Takira about, you know, his experiences during the occupation, his um two friends whose names I've I've forgotten. Yeah, I don't remember them either. Um how their they had their tongues ripped out um yep as as kind of trauma or like physical wounds of of the occupation and how they then have like a distrust of uniforms that just like really like resonated with me because when we're talking about things of folks who wear uniforms, like in terms about like policing and other agents of the state and, you know, physicians of authority, even when we're talking about like the healthcare system as, as well. Right. And the ways in which, trauma and generational trauma and that distrust of uniforms and physicians of authority are the long-term impacts of things like settler colonialism right yeah. and so when we're talking about like in the Canadian context of Canada being a settler capitalist um state and talking about forcibly removing indigenous folks from their their traditional lands and their homes and and sending the children away essentially kidnapping them to be agents of the state in in residential schools some ran by the church some ran by the government um as agents and tools of genocide essentially um yeah just really uh this whole idea of this distrust of uniforms and policing and why policing exists and trauma and generational trauma, just really, it was hard for me to have any kind of cognitive dissonance about this episode and, the, and this plot. And again, like I want to get in on, on Kira's arc and like it's well acted and I, the performances are good, but like, I just, I couldn't get past it this time watching it and i don't know if that's a result of kind of where i am now and being older and knowing more than you know the the last time i watched this episode like or the first times i watched this episode back in the day or whatever that it's just like i and not to skip ahead but i'm gonna skip ahead she burns his fucking house down
1: yeah it's real fucked
0: that's like fucking war crime yeah like like just this episode i'm sorry i i jumped way ahead there you're I just... fine
1: you're fine I, I keep thinking about how early here's the
0: bad guy i like, know. here's the bad yeah. guy i kind of and she has a choice and cisco says she is sorry cisco says she has a choice and it's like you can still be saved by being a fucking fascist. Ah! sorry sorry i just blew up my mic sorry listeners <laughs> this episode it's
1: Yeah, I keep thinking about how yesterday, it was kind of interesting to watch it today because yesterday um, Joe Biden had like a new anti-terrorism initiative that classified anarchist violent extremists quote unquote that oppose all forms of capitalism, corporate globalization and governing institutions um, which are perceived to be Harmful to society. I'm reading a tweet from at Ford Fisher, just so we're, like, I'm referencing the correct person, but as domestic violent extremists. So it basically is saying that anyone that's anti-capitalism and anti-government is a domestic violent extremist. And it's, like, like, the way that Mullah is, like, feels about authority and uniforms is based on his experience of those people showing him that they're bad, you know, and those people harming people that he cares about. And I just feel like it's so fucked up to put people that have had the experience and say that those are the people that are... harmful and we should be scared of them and to label them as such. And it's just, it just, there's a lot going on.
0: And and I think that's like, there is. And like, I think ultimately at the end of the day, states exist, capitalist states, I will make that more precise, exist and governments exist within those states to ultimately protect capital and the growth of capital and the ability of those that control the means of production to continue to exploit the working class. Right? Mm-hmm. So like when we we have right in those kind of like false equivalencies or like even like horseshoe theory where you have like centrists being like the left is as bad as the right. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Or, like and different things like that. Like that's a way in which it centers that sense of self and individualism against kind of the, the collective. And like, ultimately this episode is arguing from that perspective. And it's just, it's, it's misguided at best and incredibly frustrating and fraught to me, and its actual execution, with kind of how it ends and everything else, and like it's Star Trek deals a lot with the idea of like no-win scenarios and the whole idea of like the test of the Kobayashi Maru that's in in well, a couple of the movies, but you know is first kind of introduced in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan and and facing death, right. and Like literally, as I said, like a no-win scenario, and like this test is kind of that um, for Kira in a way, and like. There's some really interesting stuff with with Ben with Cisco about being that kind of builder and that that leader, that father character father character. I guess more like an older cousin. Um character, kind of to to Kira and like supporting her and but yet still deflecting and like protecting her as he does because he rules. Um yes. But it's just like The real solution to this episode would have been to find another way. And that's like ultimately what Star Trek's done before with no one scenarios is like it finds that third way. And I guess this this episode's more realistic in that it doesn't. But.
1: But there's a. Yeah. Yeah. So two things. Um. Well, there is a third way. There is another way, and they purposely don't... They mention it. Minister Torrin says... The other... Says that... This is a little bit later, but... um, He basically says that there's a safer option, but it would take too long to actually extract the energy. And I'm like... Okay, so maybe the people... Like, how how much how urgent is the needing of energy in the winter? Like, could they survive one more season of the way they were already doing it? Like we don't get any information about that. And I feel like that I would be so upset if my energy was given to me in a way that that displaced people from their homes. like it just it feels really gross. And I actually had a change of tune on one of my thoughts from this episode. Um, there's a scene where Malabak is comparing Kira fighting against the Cardassians to him and his friends being asked to leave Gerardo because she, like, explains to him that the air is going to become unbreathable if they stay. And I'm like, at first I was like, oh, I understand him not wanting to leave his home. But I, I, I also didn't, at that point, I didn't see the comparison as correct But then at the end, when she sets his house on fire, I felt like, okay, maybe it's a little bit closer than I thought. Right. I also find that Minister Toron to be kind of, like, shady because obviously he's pushing for this faster energy method. But also, he says, the other 47 people left the moon willingly. And Kira's like, how do you know that? Or, like, how do we know? And I I agree with her point. Following in order to leave doesn't mean you're willingly going. Like, I'm sure that those 47 people realized that they didn't have a choice in the matter. So just, like, assuming because someone listens to your order means that they're doing something willingly is misguided
0: yeah can i make it even murkier for
1: us (laughs) you wouldn't be you if you didn't
0: so there's a whole star trek movie about going against the orders of the federation for forcibly removing people and that episode argues that that is good and you need to stand up for it and you can directly tie that arc to a TNG episode in which their the Federation's forcibly removing indigenous people from their their um, Earth's indigenous people, I should say, mm-hmm. um, from their planet that got taken over the Cardassians. Is that, kind of as the
1: is that the one where they that's like, Wesley's
0: last episode. It's Wesley's last. Is episode Is it when they're in goes that off cave? Of the kind
1: of no that was uh, another displacing people episode i think where Riker gets like Um, trapped in that cave
0: yeah so journey's end is the tng episode and it's they're giving the colony world to the to the federation or from the federation to the cardassians but the movie's an insurrection where they're like oh hey we've we've learned and you can draw straws to compare that it's like reflectionary to the other but it's like basically the baku are like Space Cal, space Northern California. So we're gonna help them, but we're not gonna help anyone else. And it's just like, I don't know. It's it's like Star Trek likes to try and have its cake and eat it too. And there's so much of it that like, it's gonna be thematically and morally inconsistent at times. But it's just, <sighs> she burns his house.
1: Yeah, it's really fucked. I.
0: And she's acting like she's doing him a favor, and yeah, it's hard, but just, like, it's fucked. It's fucked. The gall that she
1: thinks that they can still be friends after this. She's like, I need a friend on Bajor. If I were him, I would have wanted to punch her in the face. Like, are you fucking kidding me, lady? Yeah. (sighs) What did you think about Kira's tree analogy? The ugly tree that had to be I guess taken down. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it, but then now the angrier that I am, I'm like whatever about it.
0: <clears throat> it's frustrating like like you suggest because it's like it shows Kira's Conflict and it shows how she's sympathetic to and understands where Malabok is coming from. Um, but ultimately with deciding that the tree had to come down and just like it's Malabok isn't a tree. He's a man. He's a person. Right. Yes. And it's just like this, fuck this episode. I'm sorry. i I'm more mad about this than I thought I was. I've been I spent a couple of days <laughs> watched it. Now that now that we're talking with it, I'm just like
1: Ugh. right. It happens that way sometimes where you don't realize until you discuss it how like elevated your voice your no your your voice gets. That happens to me all the time. The line where Cisco was telling Kira, "You're usually you're like you're used to being." You're used to something along the lines of like, you're used to rooting for the underdog, you're on the other side now. Just felt like bad. Like, I don't mean like bad, like bad writing, or it just felt like, why would you want to be on the other side <laughs> ever?
0: Yeah. And it's just like, for what seems like an internal, like Bajoran, matter too. It's like Cisco and the Federation are really involved here. It's like totally in this kind of like America and the Global South sort of situation. Well,
1: yeah, that's why I was saying earlier when we first started talking that Starfleet clearly takes a side in this. I was really sad to see the cottage and the kiln burned down. They were really not only because it's someone's home, but also they were very I just really, like, liked them. I thought it would be really nice to live there. Like, it looked really good. You could feed yourself from the farm. They seemed really happy there. And I was really sad at the end where he basically was like, just kill me. I'm gonna die when if I don't live here. Yep. Which... Also made me sad because in my Googling today, I found out that Brian Keith actually died by shooting himself in real life, which is something I didn't know.
0: I did not know that either.
1: Yeah. Sorry to like make it real, but so that line kind of hit me a little bit more. He might have he might have been ill. So I feel like yeah, I don't know.
0: I'm reading it now. He had yeah, he had cancer,
1: and left the hospital because he didn't want to die there. Yeah, which so I can't blame someone for that.
0: Out on his own terms.
1: Yeah, um. it's really it. I've, I felt, it felt relevant to the story. That's the only reason I brought it up. I think the character feels similarly.
0: So, um yeah progress like the b plot i don't like the a plot
1: at all yeah i and i said more like
0: like lack of progress
1: (laughs) i really 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 loved the performances but i don't like how any of our favorites acted in this episode and what they were party to i didn't like any of that
0: Yeah, and in in some ways, that's kind of the most Star Trek thing (laughs) about the episode, is just that, like, the morality in it, and it it just, it's so muddy, and, like, we've been talking this whole season about the Federation as, like, an agent of, like, colonialism, and... We've talked about settler capitalism with the Cardassians and it's just, it just feels so much like almost kind of like, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but the Marshall Plan that the U.S. had um, post-World War II where they basically, like this is, if someone's an actual historian they're going to like say you uh summarized it way too much but basically <laughs> it's one of the first cases in the post-war period, post-World War 2 period of the U- the US undermining collective security with the UN by acting unilaterally and what the Marshall plan basically was that said that like post post-war Europe and a lot of the kind of Central European and Eastern European states had the rights to self-determination to choose whatever government and system of government they wanted, essentially as long as they chose a Western democracy that would be under the American sphere of influence. And, like, I feel like post-Cardassia, post-Cardassian occupation of Bajor, it's like that's what the Federation's there. Their job is to ultimately shepherd Bajor into the Federation and make it stable and everything else. And it's just like that feels so like contrary really to kind of what the Federation claims its ideals are. And that feels very like imperialistic to me to have that double standard. And we've already talked about to uh Star Trek, having a movie that says this is bad. And then having lots of episodes, it's like, Oh, is this is a shitty situation. Well, right. what are you going to do? <laughs> Shrug.
1: I, my most Star Trek thing was basically the same thing. Like no one from Starfleet went into the moral dilemma of what was going on. Like, Cisco at most, says, yeah, it's not great. Or, like, I don't even know if he said that much. I don't remember. He basically said to Kira, like, you might not have a job if if you don't just do this. And that felt really icky to me. Yep. So... I know this episode has been serious and a huge bummer, but I still think, surprisingly, that I am a little bit parched. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I really think I need an altar water thirst quencher. Dax? All
0: right, and who are you? Th- who um, are you thirsting for this week,
1: Elise? Well, I have a couple. So I really found it adorable that Dax found those seven or eight little little wiry hairs on Morn's head cute. I love da- <laughs> Dax. We don't have we haven't seen it like a ton so far, but whenever Dax is talking about dating, like she's hot and she's like, seems like she has so much fun chatting about it, and I just find that really hot. But um, even, <laughs> I feel bad because, like, she was pretty fascist in this episode, but every time Kira takes her uniform tunic off, I have to fan myself because I just really love her, like, high-waisted pants like, and that little, like...
0: With that crisscross across uh, her,
1: like, It's so collarbone. cute. I love her undershirt. I don't know if I'd call, it, like, an undershirt or whatever it is. But with the high waist pants, it just, she looks amazing. And it always makes me feel like she's like, obviously it was bad business in this episode, but it always (laughs) makes me feel... She's ready for business even if it's bad business. (laughs) It always makes me think like she's getting down to business and like getting done what needs to get done. And I'm so grossed out by myself right now that I've included this. We can't, we can't help what we find hot folks sorry um (laughs) don't tell your friends (laughs) um but yeah it happened I was like oh that's hot but also I think also because at the moment where she does it you don't really know how she's gonna act yet so like in that moment she was helping mull so I don't feel as bad about it (laughs) like yeah, you can't tell that. yet like what her end game is gonna be so in that moment i was hopeful and like because i didn't remember how this episode had gone from the f- first time i watched it so in that moment right. i feel like it's okay because she seemed like she was being helpful <laughs> she right. was not being right. fascist in that moment <laughs> do you have um any or are you too angry of this episode
0: i don't I'm I'm too angry. I'm too angry. <laughs> I am too angry not That's, that's
1: completely valid.
0: <laughs> Actually, no. Okay, I'll have one. So when oh, yes. uh, when uh, after Bashir treats, of course it's going to be a Bashir one, right? Um, after <laughs> Bashir treats Malabak and goes back to the station, is talking to Cisco, and this is one of the moments where Cisco um, is protecting Kira, right? Um, he's like, I'm going to tell the Bajoran government that you ordered Kira to stay there on humanitarian grounds. And Bashir's like, no, I didn't. And Cisco just gives him, a, gives him a look and then he's like, gulps. And he's like, I think Kira should, like, you know what I mean? It's just as, that's a, a funny moment. <laughs> uh, Julian. Our, our complex, complex Julian.
1: <laughs> Do you have anything else to say about this episode?
0: Um, Nope. I mean, yes, but (laughs) we've already talked for almost an hour. So (laughs) I would like to be happy on my Saturday evening and not thinking about this episode
1: anymore. (laughs) That's fine. I think I have to watch something like cheerful after discussing this. Too bad I already watched The Parent Trap (laughs) this morning. Hmm. We could
0: always watch the, the Nancy Myers one, the mm. remake. I'll
1: probably Has watch Dennis something. Dennis Quaid in it. Dennis Quaid is very cute, but also says stupid shit.
0: But <laughs> he is the father of Ensign Boimler himself. I know, I do
1: so. love Jack Quaid. But also, Dennis Quaid you, said you can that... See?
0: Go ahead. Dennis, Dennis Quaid
1: said. said that Trump was doing a good job with COVID, so I really don't I can't no. like look at him. Ooh. Yeah.
0: No. <laughs> well, unfortunately Jack Quaid no longer has a father, but he has a has a mother that I don't think said anything stupid in Meg Ryan. So yeah,
1: I don't think she has either, at least not publicly. Um he really does look like both of his parents. Ah, oh, they're all so pretty, all three of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They
1: really are. Altair Water Thrust Our... Quencher, Jack, Jack uh, the Quaid. Quaid. <laughs> the Quaid family. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> or the former Quaids, I guess, make yeah been with him since
1: the yeah, they... Russell Crowe thing.
0: Anyways, we don't have to get into 90s Hollywood drama. I don't, I'll have to get into right.
1: that later. Um,
0: so, okay. I, I, yeah, no, <laughs> look it up. I'm pretty sure it was Russell Crowe. Anyways, I don't even remember <laughs> what movie it was. Proof of Life,
1: maybe? Oh, I do not even know It doesn't that. matter
0: they like met on a movie and then that's what ended her marriage to um, dennis quaid you but, know what sometimes and like and then happens... because of sex sorry and i was gonna say just then because of sexism it was all her fault when yeah. it's like, no i'm pretty sure dennis quaid has always been dennis quaidy so, yeah like, there's two people in every relationship
1: yeah i was gonna say the media sometimes... just love
0: to villainize yeah. her
1: I-, I was gonna say sometimes that happens and sometimes it's for the best so whatever. yeah
0: exactly all right. Now we're in Meg Ryan Discourse. Awesome. Anything to not talk about this episode. All right. Elise, until next time, where can folks find more of you on the internet?
1: Yes, you can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at Elise underscore Tendy E-L-Y-S-E underscore T-E-N-D-I. And you can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Podrates, P-O-D-W-R-A-I-T-H-S. And you?
0: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at at @mattyhugh. M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can also catch me talking about Mad Men on my Mad Men podcast, Still Great Bob. As always, thank you to DJ Empirical for our very groovy theme song. And until next time, computer and program.
1: Bye.